Hey, this is Claude, audio engineer for the podcast. I hope you're enjoying the show. Did you know PauseGo has an online shop with lots of locally produced items for dog and cat lovers? Many of the products also support independent rescues, shelters, and animal welfare organizations. Check it out at PauseGo.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast, a positive conversation about dogs and the people who love them. I'm your co-host, Jean. And I'm your co-host, Karen. And Jean, I am so excited that we have our friend Kara Ochterberg back again today. We talked to her, gosh, over a year ago, easily, about a book she had written about her adventures in fostering. So I met Kara through mutual friends with Operation Pause. For homes. And um, Kara was embarking on a book tour uh, promoting. Did you really just say embarking? I did. Did anybody else hear that? Embarking? Sorry, go on. I did, but thank you. (laughs) Uh, She was embarking on a tour of shelters she had been working with on behalf of Operation Pause for Homes. And you can't not like Kara and the work that she's doing. And it through her work in rescue and a variety of pop-ups and other conversations, we got to know each other. So we were, you know, really pleased to have her come on the podcast to talk about her her book. So Kara, because she can't just stop with one book, she's also a um, a writer of what Kara romance novels or chiclet. Can we still call them chiclet? Or I mean, they're we call them women's fiction. Women's fiction. Okay. <laughs> so she's she's a very busy individual. She used to be in Pennsylvania. Now she's in Virginia, not too far from us. It's been a very busy year for Kara. So I'm excited to catch up with her, not only to talk about her move from um, rural Pennsylvania to semi-small semi town urban Virginia, but also a new not-for-profit that she's founded as a result of her work with OPH and a documentary that she produced and has been showing around the country. So with that, Kara, thanks for coming on and chatting with us today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back and to to be on the podcast. Thank you for pronouncing it correctly. We appreciate the emphasis on pause. <laughs> Kara, just to, to re- remind our audience, for those that may not have heard the, the last episode that we did with you, you're a writer, which I think is what you were originally, but how did you also become, uh, you know, a a heroine to the dog community. (laughs) It's a long convoluted story, but I won't tell it all. Uh, Yeah, I was trying to be a writer or was a writer. I was a novelist, am a novelist. Kind of not put that in the past tense. I plan to write more novels, but I got sidetracked by dogs. I started fostering dogs for OPH, as Karen mentioned, and um, and got curious about why there was this endless stream of dogs, just never ending. And so um, after one of my books came out and I was headed that direction on tour, I started touring shelters and I was shocked um, by what I saw. And and more than that, I was really shocked that I didn't know it was happening, even though I was so deeply embedded in um, rescue and I'd fostered over a hundred dogs at that point. So that just has grown since then. And uh we got going, traveling more and more. Now we've been, myself and a photographer, Nancy Slattery, who works with me. We've been to 63 shelters, rescues, dog pounds in nine states in the last two years. So it's been a lot. We've learned a lot, seen a lot, and 
and it led us to change from, we were working under the auspices of OPH. They so graciously let us operate as an initiative of theirs um, so that we would have a nonprofit status, but we've grown now and and we're stepping out on our own. And we founded our own 501c3 nonprofit called Who Will Let the Dogs Out, where Waldo is what we call it since it's a mouthful. And now we're hoping to do, we've got a lot of lands, but first we got to raise some money and get organized and do all all the stuff that we didn't have to do because we had OPH behind us before. Well, pause up to OPH. OPH, for those who don't live in the Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia area, is um, a regional rescue. Um, It was founded, I think, in Alexandria, wasn't it, Kara? And uh, it's an all-breed dog and cat rescue, and they pull from high-need, high-kill shelters, primarily in the South, I believe. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And how incredibly visionary and selfless of them to support your work. I mean, there are a lot of rescues that wouldn't do that. So pause up for OPH. Yeah, it was wonderful to be able to really, as we say, hit the ground running because uh, we were so determined to start getting the word out because that's kind of what I realized having been down there. If I didn't know about it, a lot of people didn't know. And we are always saying it's not that people don't care. It's that they don't know this is happening. And so having OPH behind us for those first two years was great because we could just focus on on finding out what was happening and meeting more rescues and, and expanding our reach and uh, and doing a lot of cool things. So um, now we have to, you know, do the harder part, the organizing and taxes and fundraising ourselves, although we did do the most of the fundraising before. So yeah, but they gave us a great start and they're an awesome organization. So let's take just, um, just a little step back and talk about what you saw at these shelters. And as I recall from previous conversations, many of these shelters or municipal dog pounds um, are, are county run. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're not like independent rescues like OPH or others we might be familiar with. These are public entities. Some of them are, a lot of them are, we go to a lot of like, for instance, in Western Tennessee, they still have a dog pound system. And what does uh, that mean? Okay. So you know, it, I'm, I'm curious about, yeah, is... the, like the pound, we have shel- uh, terms that I feel most people use interchangeably are shelter and pound, right? Are they not totally the same different. thing? Okay. They're yeah. That would be thing. great. That'd be great to understand that better. So a dog pound, a traditional municipal dog pound um, does just that. It impounds dogs. So dogs that have become a nuisance to the public for one reason or another, they're stray, they've been abandoned, they've been seized um, because because of, you know, uh, crimes or, or whatever, they are put in a dog pound and they're held for their legal stray hold, which depending on your county could be three days, could be seven days. Um, and at the end of that time, they are killed. And I know people want to say euthanized, but I don't use that word because they're not being killed. You know, they're being killed flat out. Um, unless a rescue steps in and pulls from those dog pounds. And, and many of them are so tiny. We discovered like most people don't even know they're there. Um, so, and, and they're definitely in Tennessee. They're definitely dog pounds uh, in other parts of the country too. And so some of the places were pounds, but a shelter, normally a shelter is, is also what it says. It's sheltering these dogs temporarily. Uh, and they're usually trying to find homes for these dogs. Um, um, not that shelters don't kill dogs, they do also. But 
that's that's interesting. Interesting. So, so wait, so we have it looks like puppy playtime behind it. It is. I'm I know it's so cute. That's so funny. No, it's really sweet. It's really sweet. So I don't even know. I Karen, do we have pounds in Virginia or is it just a we shelter do. state? You we do. do. Gosh, yeah, we do. Isn't that something I really we have live no in the idea. happy bubble? No, we live in the happy yeah. bubble of northern Virginia. Yeah. We have yeah, we were just at one of your pounds, Wise County. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so dark. And you're saying these these dogs only live a few weeks. Once it depends on the pound. It really does. Wise County is one of is a better pound. Um, they, as long as they have space, they'll keep the dogs alive, but, uh, they are, they are now, and they haven't had to for a long time, but I, I know they are now having to kill dogs, um, already been killing cats, but I'm going to kill dogs for space again. And that's, that's the case. A lot of places and we're in a really, really bad, I mean, it's worse than I've ever seen it right now, this post pandemic, um, situation or post whatever it's not really over yet right but um, it's it's very very bad in the south for well we discovered a lot of reasons when we were down on our last trip what are some of the reasons that you discovered Kara well it's a lot of things so during the pandemic you know we all watched as all these dogs were adopted and it was exciting and wonderful right everyone said this is the silver lining of the pandemic um, and so many places adopted out literally you know two times, 10 times as many dogs as they normally would. I mean, everything was getting out. So, so you start right with that. You get that many dogs out in a, in a good shelter with a, with a good, strong um, adoption program, about 10% of the dogs are going to come back. That's just, that's just the basic number. That's kind of, you, you shoot for that. Every rescue wants to be 10% or less. Um, so 10% of a huge number of animals coming back is a huge number of animals entering your shelter. Um, you add to that, because of the pandemic, so many people um, are struggling economically and, um, and, and their, their housing could be unstable. There's a lot of things going on there. So more dogs are being surrendered. That's what we saw huge, like Wise County, Virginia, tiny little rural shelter. In 2020, they had 820 owner surrendered dogs. Oh goodness. Which is phenomenal. I mean, that number is crazy. So, so now you've got this, you know, this mass of dogs. And then you do have the returns, um, dogs that have been purchased, you know, everybody had to get their pandemic puppy breeders were pumping out dogs so fast. And, and many times, you know, people adopt a breed because they are in love or they romanticize a breed and then they get it home and it's, it's hard. Um, you know, certain breeds have certain needs. Welcome to Aussie Rescue. Yeah, not everybody's equipped to do that. So you get you get a lot of those. I, I saw more purebred dogs in it than I've ever seen in the shelters on this last trip. I, we were shocked. We were just stunned by the number of purebred dogs. It also alarmed me that the kennels were full of purebred dogs because it made me say, okay, well, what happened to all the pit bulls that we usually see in there? And yeah, exactly. where are the pit bulls? But I where won't. They go? Yeah. Um, you- so you have all these dog factors. On, yeah. On top of the people, uh, you know, the normal animal control calls, that you would have anyway. Um, and then the other big, big factor is that during the pandemic, we were not staying in neutering. It was not deemed an essential service in many places for at least six months, sometimes a year. So the puppy and kitten season has been uh, off the charts. Puppies, there are puppies everywhere down there. And again, we didn't see them. We didn't used to see them as often in the shelters that we visited because they usually get moved out quickly by rescue, um, but rescues are full. So you've got all these dogs coming in. And at the same time, on the northern end of all of this, uh, rescues are full. Everybody's full because everybody was going to adopt, adopt it, you know, and, and, and we're not sure what's going on now with the pandemic. Everything's going to, you know, we're, you know, nobody knows what's coming. So not as many people are adopting. So rescues aren't moving dogs, shelters aren't moving dogs. And yet 
this massive number of dogs are coming into the shelters. If you just do any scan, I was just scanning headlines this morning and I was reading about a couple different places in the country. One was in, I wanna say it was in San Antonio, Texas and they had this desperate plea out. It was just this morning that they had 35 dogs that they were gonna to have to euthanize if they were not moved out today or tomorrow. And, and you see that across the board everywhere because you've got all these dogs coming in but there are not as many dogs moving out anymore. And I would add, there's one other little piece of this that I think makes it really twice as hard is that the national mentality is we emptied our shelters. We're all good. We emptied our shelters um, because this story is not getting out. And I'm, I'm trying hard to put it out there. We're trying to put it out through who will let the dogs out. I've written a couple articles and I'm pitching newspapers now trying to get some of these, some of this out there, but because it's simply not true. This idea that we have that all the dogs got adopted during COVID is simply not true. What you said about um, the, that spay and neuter was not performed for so long, like that, I was going to ask you that specific question. What's the spay and neuter piece of this? And that's tremendous. I mean, a, a dog can have um, a couple of litters a year. Is that right? Um, yeah. I mean, it's hey, just it, the, listen, the reproduction we, rate. We experienced it with Poppy. Yeah. Um, she was supposed to have been spayed at you know, right at the beginning of the pandemic. And it, it was exactly. well over a year because it was not emergency surgery. Well, and, and I worry were... about the, 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 there's this a veterinary crisis as well in terms of, I mean, right now where we are, you can't get an appointment at a mm-hmm. uh, veterinary clinic for uh, several weeks. And um, meanwhile, more people have dogs. And then I look at the images on your website, Kara, of these very, very sick dogs in pounds, and they are in desperate need of veterinary care. And I think, my God, if I can't get in to see my vet somewhere that I've been a client for 10 years, how are we getting veterinary care for the animals in these situations? Like it, the whole thing is just really troubling. It's really worrisome. It is. It's spiraling. And, and you hit it on the head, you know, the, even if they want to get them spayed and neutered, there hasn't, it hasn't been possible because of well cost and access. And, and the shelters are in the same situation. They're adopting out dogs unspayed, unneutered because they got to get them out. So I feel like we've been set back a few years at least in our, in our struggle. I mean, cause you know, how fast, especially with the cat situation and I, you know, I don't, that one's even worse. I, I'm afraid to even touch that, but the cats can multiply even faster. So it's bad. So your new not-for-profit is addressing these, these issues. And were you, I mean, did the pandemic speed up your timeline or um, were you always, you know, looking within this time frame to start a, the new not-for-profit? Um, we, we had always had this goal of being on our own and doing our own, you know, so that we could grow so that we could get bigger and expand our reach. But I mean, our mission is the same. It's been from the very beginning to raise awareness and resources for homeless dogs and the heroes who fight for them. Because many of these places where we go, you meet, we've met these unbelievable people and not just in the county, in the county shelter system, yes, but the private rescues in places like, like Mississippi, which does not have public shelters. Um, they, they have these individuals who step into the gap and try to save these dogs that the counties are not and the states are not. They And, and you know, in some ways they're enabling them. And I've kind of, you know, not joked, but said to them, you know, because you're doing all of this, and these people are individuals who've given up 
all their money, all their time, you know, everything to save these dogs. Um, because you're doing this, the county doesn't have to, because they're keeping these dogs from dying. But if they were not there, the county would have to do something, right? Maybe. I don't I don't know whether they would or they wouldn't. Um, it frustrates me. And so that we are trying to raise awareness of this situation by telling their stories, by traveling to these places, these little pounds, these small rescues. Um, who are saving the dogs. And we try to tell their story because I don't believe it's on the national media's radar. I don't think the nation knows how many individuals are operating these little tiny rescues and saving literally thousands of dogs a year on their own without the support of their state or their county. So these independent rescues are working almost in tandem with the pounds and shelters? Some are. Some are wonderful. Like we were in Wise County, the there's a rescue, a couple rescues, actually. It's amazing for such a tiny county to have so many. But there are there are people who um, who go into the shelters and pull in the pounds, and they, these rescues go in and they pull them. As, as I said, the pounds aren't making any attempt to get these dogs adopted. If you don't come claim that dog, they're going to kill it unless a rescue steps in. And that's what our documentary was about, a woman who does just that. She operates in the pounds of Western Tennessee, 12 different pounds, I think. Um, she's pretty much the only rescuer going into most most of them. And if not for her, all of those dogs would die. But she's going in there every Friday. She goes to all the pounds and pulls dogs that are, you know, on the list. And she, as she will tell you, she's, you know, not always in time and, and she doesn't always have room. So I've got two questions. One is, how do you hope to change it? And when you go into these towns, who are you talking to? Who are you meeting with? Are you meeting with elected officials? Are you meeting with local media? You know, how, what does that look like on these trips? So when we go on these trips, it's usually the way we get in is usually somebody knows somebody. So it's usually another rescue or another somebody who works at one of the shelters where we know the director or the ACO. Um, Animal control officer. Yeah. So that's how we get in. It's, uh, it's, it's relatively rare that we can ever get the ear of an elected official. We did in Wise County and that was great. We toured the pound uh, with the, she's actually a lawyer for the, for that county, but she's in charge of really interesting. She's in charge of animal control, uh, the foster child system and litter. Now that's like, I won't touch it, but that's such a, I'm not saying a word on that one. Mm -hmm. Right. So generally we, you know, our goal is to get the word out. So if we, one of my hopes is, is that we can raise awareness that this is happening, first of all, because the people who can change it are the taxpayers when it's a county pound, their money being used this way. Like you are paying your county to impound these dogs and hold them and kill them. And the drugs to kill dogs are extremely expensive. So what's, um, what's the alternative? What can, what, what's the vision, Kara? What's the vision so, of, of, a, of a situation that is humane, that mm-hmm. is uh, efficient, more efficient? Like give us your vision. So we've seen lots of shelters where we've gone in and it's a little tiny town. Again, you know, everyone says, we don't have any money. It's not money. Um, the places that are saving all their dogs, even in these rural little areas, they have a strong volunteer. Well, first of all, they have a leader. It always comes down to that. They have a strong leader who has a vision, who says, as Dr. Kim Sanders does in Anderson County, South Carolina, we just decided to stop killing dogs. When you ask her, how did you take your shelter from a 90% kill rate? And this is a huge, huge shelter that I want to say they do 5,000 animals a year. Um, How did she do that? And she did that in about three months. And she'll tell you because we decided to stop killing dogs because there are so many other options, you know, so 
So some of the things that PAWS did that anybody can do is to have a strong volunteer program to get your community invested in these animals because it's their responsibility. They are their animals. They're the county's animals. To have a strong volunteer program, to have a strong foster program, fostering is definitely the key to so, so much life-saving. And and for me, in my dream world, it's the future of shelters. Um, And then to have rescue partners. And if you have those three things, strong volunteers, good foster program, and rescue partners, you don't need to be killing anything. It's possible. Now, right now, it's more challenging than it's ever been for all of these places. Give us the magical three things again. That bears repeating. Okay, so a strong volunteer program, which is part of getting your community invested. Um, A strong strong foster system so that you're fostering out as many animals as you can, which gives you breathing room in the shelter um, and is also the best chance for your animals to get adopted and for animals to get out of a shelter without, you know, emotionally being emotionally damaged. Um, and and um, the third thing is good rescue connections. There's rescues all over this country that are willing to pull dogs, but you got to have a good connection and you have to have a good rescue program, meaning that you are honest with your rescues and you tell them about the dogs. So you don't try to sneak things in. And then, um, so those three things, volunteer program, foster program, rescue, rescue network, rescue connections. Um, that's, that's it. Helpful. And they don't I cost money. Is, yeah. I think None I of them do. That gives a nice roadmap. Um, and, and this is a, and it happens locally, right? That you're not asking people, you're not encouraging people to say volunteer to save every dog in your state. You're saying volunteer and be a leader to save every dog in your community, in your town. Am I understanding that correctly? Right. right. And some of the things that we want to do as Waldo, as who will let the dogs out is we are recruiting people to help us and doing things like helping to support virtually because we all can from far away, you know, um, to share ideas, enrichment ideas, fundraising ideas. So when we connect with one shelter, say in um, Alabama, and we see that they're doing this really creative, clever thing, we can then share that with somebody else. And so um, that's one piece of it. And, and, and trying to raise the awareness of what's going on. I, I think they need to know we're invested. Some of these really small places, when we show up, they're like shocked. They can't believe, first of all, we found them. And then second of all, that we care and that we're going to write about them and that people who who read what we write or see our pictures or our new, we have a new YouTube channel, watch our YouTube videos. Um, they'll send money and they'll help and they'll support. And then they, you know, that's a lot of times, especially right now, everybody's worn down and exhausted. Um, and knowing that you have people supporting you, believing in what you're doing, it makes all the difference. Right now you're working with, I'm sorry, is it nine shelters or nine states? Nine states. We are, we've been to 63 different rescue organizations and shelters and pounds in about nine states. We're getting ready. We're gearing up for a trip in January to Georgia and Florida. Haven't been there yet. And I know especially, well, both really. Uh, we keep getting suggestions from different places. Our trip gets bigger and bigger of organizations that we just must see, you know, please come, please come tell us, come see what we're doing. And um, so we're, we're currently trying to raise money to, to take that trip, which keeps growing. So where can, where can our listeners or where can our followers find this list of 63 pounds shelters and rescues? Is that all on your website or is it in a blog? Mm-hmm. So we have a website who will let the dogs out.org. Don't forget the word will <laughs> who will let the dogs out.org. And on that, there's a, there's a, a, one of the little tabs is how can you help? And under that we've listed, I don't, not all 63 are there because not all 63 do I recommend that you send your money to because not all of them are 
responsibly using that. Um, and not all of them have a venue for, for you to help. But the ones that we uh, are staying in touch with, that we believe in, that we want people to reach out and help are listed there. It's 30 something. It'll be over 40 within the next couple months because we're going to add all the ones we've just gone to. Um, so there, there's a list and, and there's a link to a blog post telling you about them with pictures of them. Um, there's, there's their Facebook and their website and all of that. So it's, it's broken out by state. Uh, so it'll have information so anybody can see those there and pick one, adopt one. <laughs> adopt a, uh, a shelter or a pound. Yeah. How much money are we talking about? Like what, what amount really would make a difference? Are we talking thousands of dollars? Are we talking hundreds of dollars? You know, what, what would be impactful to these and would everything pass through you and then you send it to the shelter or the, no, or the we, pound? We are not, uh, we are not, we want people to go directly to them. So we put all the information there. If they have an Amazon wish list, that's a great way to help out. Um, so we'll post that link. And so when I say adopt a shelter, just pick one and follow them on Facebook and share their information. And when they're doing a fundraiser, it's a lot of times they'll do online ones now, you know, like you share that information, you can support them um, virtually, you know, find one that, you know, read the blog posts and meet the people. Cause I write about each of these people that are there and some of the dogs that we've had, and you find one that speaks to your heart and then, you know, follow them in terms of money that we, you know, giving them, it just depends, you know, who, um, what, what it is they need. As I said before, it's not money. That's gonna, you know, I don't think it's, it's not going to take a ton of money to solve this crisis. It's going to take commitment from people, people who are going to be invested and value these animals and support the work of the people who are doing it. Obviously also legislation would help, but you know, the Humane Society is working hard on that. They got that. We're trying to like stay focused on what our mission is, which is simply to get the word out, to tell people what is going on in these small places that you don't know about and what is happening because too many people think we've solved this problem and we have not. That's helpful because, you know, as, as we have this conversation, it's uh, it can be overwhelming, right? There's so much need. Yes. Uh, and I want to make sure that people don't feel like they just want to put their head down and walk away because it's too much, right? So I think that's really important, spreading the word. You're right. That's, it all starts with the more people are informed, the more potential we have for volunteers, donors, et cetera. Um, are you working with the, with the media on this? I mean, you sort of, it sounds like you've become a media outlet almost, which, which of course we're <laughs> capable of in this, in the a social media environment, but I'm curious whether this is covered by uh, what remains of local news organizations. No, we have not as much. I, I wrote a piece for the Tennessean uh, at one point. Um, mm-hmm. The Nashville Tennessean. Yeah, it's really just hard to get anybody's attention anymore. I mean, you guys know that like social media is tricky. It's, it's overwhelming. There's so much we're, you know, we're really looking, we'd love to find a volunteer who, who knows how to work the social media better than we are. We're doing the best we can by putting, putting the word out there and um, trying to spread it. I mean, that's, that's our goal is just to get the, the word out and, like you say, everybody picks up a piece, you know, I'm very hopeful. I, I totally believe this is, I, I've seen it. I know this is fixable and it's yeah. makes me crazy that we aren't fixing it because it's of so it fixable. The education part is so important. And I'm, I'm curious whether, um, whether you've invested in advertising on social media, you know, a clickable ad that brings someone not to something to buy, but something to read about this, this crisis level problem. Cause I think that ad buying on social media is quite inexpensive actually. Yeah. We've done the boosting. We boost our 
posts sometimes on Facebook, yeah. but it, it hit or miss sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes we like this past week, um, Patty boosted one of ours. She's one of our volunteers. She's on our board and it got like 500, you know, reactions and like comments and shit, you know, it just got a lot more. I can't remember how many hundred shares. It got a ton. And, and I boosted one the week before and I got like 200. You just never, it's hard to say. I don't know. You know, yeah, it's inexpensive, but again, I don't know. There's a formula. There are these people who must know how it works. I don't. I would, I would argue that you might get likes, but you don't get action. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't translate into, into dollars or actual activity. Mm-hmm. That's been my experience with boosting on Facebook. I mean, yeah. this is, let's, let's just make a call, a call to our audience right now, right? If, if there's someone listening who can help with, um, who's a, who's a professional at spreading important news via social media, uh, reach out to us and let us know if you have a couple hours to donate to, uh, to Kara. Uh, and, and maybe help out with, with spreading, because I, I, I really am compelled by that point, Kara, of how important it is to let people know about this problem. And I hate that everyone's walking around thinking, oh, one of the benefits of COVID was all the dogs got saved. Like it, mm-hmm. it's such a, it's, it's misinformation. It really well, is. Well, that's what we thought. I mean, of that, course. I mean, we even thought it, Jean. I mean, yep, that was, we, did. we helped push that narrative because 18 months ago, that's what was happening. I mean, yeah, in- supply was, was way down, but, pe- but people don't forget uh, that dog supply re- re- easy, uh, replaces it, it, itself. That's right. So, yes. yeah. This <laughs> isn't does. like, yeah, this isn't like, a, oh, we bought all the used cars and now there are no more used cars. <laughs> like dogs just keep being made, uh, yep. you know, a dozen at a time. Mm-hmm. So Kara, touch briefly on the documentary that you did, Amber's mm-hmm. Halfway How- Home. Amber's mm-hmm. halfway home. Right. And that was focused on Tennessee. Yeah, that was, that was what we did during the pandemic. We couldn't go anywhere. And I had written in my book, 100 dogs and counting that I had a dream of making a film about it. Cause I kept saying, if people could just see this, they would, you know, something could happen. And another writer, um, Melissa Armstrong, who wrote a wonderful book called catching Dawn. She reached out, she read my book and she reached out and said, Hey, if you were serious about that, I have that skill set." And so we connected and we started talking. She produces, um, the, the, who is a national hot rod associations broadcast. So, oh, um, she and her husband and, and then a friend of theirs, who's a producer, who was a producer recently retired from ESPN, um, they they joined together and they formed a film company called Farnival, Farnival Films. And so we partnered with them. I connected them with Amber, who's this amazing woman who is going into the dog pounds in Tennessee. And they went and met her and then their crew followed her. Um, and the documentary is 30 minutes long and it's about just one day of rescue in the dog pounds of Western Tennessee. And in the, one of the rescues actually is in the the fields of Tennessee. And then they followed them, you know, through that. And I did actually foster um, eight of the puppies they pulled from one pound and they broke with Parvo and we lost half of them. So that, you know, that's, that was a hard part. We struggled with whether that should be in the documentary or not. And ultimately um, Jason and Melissa made that call and said, yeah, it does. It should be, it's part of it. You know, these puppies got got parvo from being in a shelter and that's part of the reality of what happens when puppies are in shelters well i remember that from our first conversation um shelters are one of the most dangerous places for puppies mm-hmm. yeah yeah so the documentary is doing great we've, we've been accepted into i want to say 15 film festivals now it's already won some awards it won best short doc just 
last week, week before, uh, where? Okay, so it's been to so many that I can't remember. I want to say it was in Tennessee, but anyway, um, it's doing really well. It's really exciting. They made a beautiful film um, and it's been exciting and I hope it's having an impact. We, we've specifically uh, entered every festival we could that was in you know, Tennessee, Mississippi, all these places. Kentucky. I know it's going to be one in Kentucky coming up. It's going to be in Frankfurt, right outside of Nashville. Um, Franklin, I mean. So oh, yeah. Franklin, Franklin, Tennessee is very nice. Yeah. It's going to be in the Franklin Film Festival. So. Oh, wow. There are an awful lot of uh, country music. Yeah. I'm people hoping the right people Franklin, see it. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nicely placed. Yeah. Very people, well done. People who can help, right? People who can really help. Yeah. So we want to help. Would it be helpful to you if we connected you directly with rescues that we know and work with. Um, is Would that be helpful in growing your network? Because I'm more than happy mm-hmm. to do that. If you know rescues that are looking to save dogs, uh, yeah, I just got just saw a plea this morning and posted it on who will let the dogs out from Scott County, Virginia. They are overrun and they are desperate. And it is also a dog pound. Um, and the Humane Society there works with them and tries to get all their dogs placed and I know they're overrun right now so everywhere we go they're all they always ask you know do you have any rescue connections you know any rescues that would want you know northern rescues that would want to pull dogs so yeah any any way we can build this network to try to keep sharing this information and it's sort of at a grassroots level you know I know there's some big organizations that are working with a lot of the really big places, shelters in, in you know, a lot of cities, you know, Best Friends does great stuff and the ASPCA and things like that. But we're actually going after the little places, the forgotten places is really where our emphasis is. Well, and that's part of the POSGO mission as well. Um, a number of the items in uh, our online store and items that I have in the pop-ups where I met you, um, they support small, independent local rescues, shelters. Um, And so PAWSGO is happy to um, donate $5 from our very popular uh, wine bags that say it's not alone if the dog's at home, something that we all, (laughs) we all believe in wine and we all believe in dogs in homes. (laughs) So I'll post that in our episode notes, but I'll also send out to all of our Um, followers across our social media platform and hopefully uh, raise some money. It's a very good Christmas gift. It's a very good hostess gift. So hopefully we can sell a lot of wine bags and support your effort. Thank you. uh, I I actually want to ask this question of both of you ladies. I know we just have a few minutes. We're going to wrap up this really important show. Um, But to both Kara and Karen, if, if our listeners are, are as they listen to this show and starting to grasp how serious the challenge is and how, how many volunteers in particular are needed, as Kara has pointed out, volunteering at a couple levels as a, as a foster, as a transport, whatever it is. Um, and you think maybe you're looking for meaning in your life too, because COVID made you get in touch with what his life is all about. It's a great time to volunteer, right? We've been through this, this terrible thing as humans. We're anxious to make a difference in the world, live our fullest life connect with one another. I think there's a big search for meaning. So if I'm listening to this right now, and I think, I think, I think that would feel really good to volunteer. What steps do I take next? Well, if you're, if you know of your local shelter or rescue, I would say start following them. 
on social media makes that easy, you know, see what they're doing, see what their needs are, see how you can connect with them um, and reach out. And if you don't have a local shelter or rescue or your local shelter or rescue does not accept volunteers, <laughs> um, you're more than welcome to reach out to us because we are looking for virtual volunteers to help okay. us in our mission. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and if you don't have a local shelter or you have a local shelter that won't let you, and we've heard this, it just sounds crazy. I know, but it can places, be competitive. Yeah. It's weird. Well, it can be weird. The competitive it can part for sure up here, but in the South, there are places, um, thinking of Gibson County dog pound and Gibson, Tennessee. I was there visiting when somebody walked in, it was like it was staged. This person pulled in and said, I want to volunteer. And I watched the ACO say, you're not allowed. We don't allow that here because of liability. And I was stunned. And she, thank goodness, said, oh, I know the mayor. I'm going to go talk to him. And I, I don't Ooh, know what came But yeah, but that's just it. If, you, if your local shelter does not accept volunteers, then you need to talk to whoever's in charge of your shelter because it's not the ACO. It's somebody in some department in the county that's in charge of it. So I wonder if a, a volunteer deeper. of legal services would be helpful too. And maybe that's something that could filter through your organization, Kara, is if we could have um, an attorney write up some kind of waiver that could be disseminated to these shelters mm -hmm. so they don't have that fear. Because I, 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 I appreciate that fear. Mm -hmm. This is a dangerous business and people in dog yeah. rescue do get bit and right. I, I get it. Um, and I wonder if we could have, so I'm just going to make that call. If you're listening and you're an attorney, yeah. you know, someone who is, who could help us with some, uh, with a waiver that would get rid of this impediment and help us address this problem a little more rapidly. That would be great. Mm -hmm. And then your organization, Kara, you need social media help. Yes. We need social media help. We need, well, we need help in everything because we're just getting, you know, we're just getting going and, um, you know, we need help in a lot of different areas. Bookkeeping and taxes is one that we definitely need some help in. Um, so we're just, we're sorting it out right now and figuring it out. So if you've got some time and you want to help us, we would love it. Well, Kara, one of the first things you said was that what you need is local, local leaders. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I have to say, and maybe we, we wrap on this note is that uh, you are the quintessential leader of an, a very important and loving movement. And we appreciate your leadership. Thank you. And you inspire us to, to do more. <laughs> that's for sure. Good. I hope we can have another conversation in a few months and see how things are going, see what mm -hmm. else we can be helpful with and, um, and how many thousands of dollars those wine bags have brought in. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. It's always Thank a you. pleasure seeing you virtually you, and otherwise. Yeah, thanks right. for having me. Thanks for putting out such good stuff on the podcast. Well, best of luck to you. And, um, and we're, we're here to support you. Thanks. So until next time, Kara, we can't wait for updates and uh, to our listeners. Thank you for listening and thank you for spreading awareness however you can about this important issue. And we will have relevant websites where you can go to help in the episode notes. Thanks for listening, everyone. Karen, great to be with you, my friend, as always. Same here. Take care, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.